Today, I sit down with author and financially counselor Trey Johnson to talk about the financial aid process and FAFSA. We all know that college is expensive and many students worry about how to pay for it. As National Decision Day nears, the price of college is on many students' mind. I asked our resident expert Trey technical questions like, what happens if my financial aid gets denied? Or can I appeal my financial aid? Johnson shares the common reasons why students and their families come visit him and what he shares with them. Welcome, Trey. I'm so excited for you to be on the How to College podcast with us. Thank you. Thank you for it. Hey, it's my honor. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Our listeners are going to benefit from your area of expertise because it is an area that so many of us have so many questions on. And so I cannot wait to talk to you about financial aid and money and college and all of that good stuff. So to start off, will you tell me a little bit about yourself? My name is Trey Johnson. I am originally from a small city outside of Augusta, Georgia, you know, hometown of the Masters Golf Tournament in James Brown, Godfather's Soul, called Harlem, Georgia. And yes, there is a town called Harlem, Georgia. Some people don't believe me, so I tell them to Google it. And then once they Google it, they're like, oh, my God, you're not lying. And so I'm from there, always interested in writing. I started writing. I was scared to talk to girls, so I just used to write little love notes and stuff. And even though they may turn me down, I enjoy writing, so I continue writing. It would been a passion. And just winning a couple of contests here and there and just, just decided to go ahead and be a writer. And so while writing... I got a job at a for-profit school college and just started learning about higher education, financial aid, then went to another university. And right now I have 11 years of financial aid experience. I've seen so many things that within the financial aid as far as the changes of rules and regulations. But most importantly, I've seen parents and students will come to my office struggling trying to figure out what's going on with their financial aid, what's happening. There's not really a true roadmap that can educate them. And so I decided to create my my book, How to Climb the Mountain of Financial Aid, which was inspired by one of our mutual friends, Dr. Mary O'Connor, who came into my office after frustrated by some things with the student. I helped her out. The student got some money. Both parties were happy. And then I was kind of like her person, her go-to person, and I made the comment to her, like, I need to go ahead and just write a book. She's like, go ahead and do it. I'm like, okay. And then we had our little joke, like, yeah, you might want to add some stuff to it, but be yourself. We need that. So that's what inspired me to write my book, How to Climb the Mountain of Financial Aid. What initially drew you to the world of financial aid? Well, one of my fraternity brothers, he had worked at a college and he saw me when I first graduated from college trying to look for a job and opportunity. I was a management major. And so when opportunity came for his employment, he thought about me. And so he said, for some reason, he thought I would be great at financial aid. For me, I was just looking for, for some job that could pay. So I got in and it just connected. I was a people person. I felt like I was helping people because, again, people don't understand financial aid. Many of us don't have a financial, not just financial aid background, but actual financial background. 
So the knowledge that I had and learned, I was able to kind of teach and educate students and parents about the cost of school, budgeting, even how to write a check, just kind of educate people on that. So I did that and I got promoted to another position at the job. So I just continued just to promote, help people. And it was just, it was fun to me. And I, I enjoyed being able to help someone and families. On our previous conversation, you talked about college is a business. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, man. College is a business. That's the thing that a lot of people, I would say, take for granted. Because when you think of college, you think of, okay, I'm going to leave mom and dad. I'm going to be out in the real world. I'm going to do this, do that. But at the end of the day, you got to pay a bill. The school is a business. And oftentimes when people think about the college, that's a business. You think about like the sports and the you know, football, basketball. But as a student, it's a business. You offer, the school offers certain service to the student. And in return, there's money, out-of-pockets, Pell Grants, scholarships, loans. All of that is money that you got to pay back. It's a business. It's a financial responsibility. So that's why it's so important to have financial literacy and to understand the importance of loans. Like I have many parents and even students was like, loans are the devil. And my response is not necessarily the devil is how you handle it. Because if that's the case, for some people, food is the devil. Because you eat so much, you could be obese, you could turn you could be a diabetic, and it could hurt you in the future. So it's just how you handle things. So it's 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 a business. When you come to college, you're not going for free. <laughs> there's there's a, a financial responsibility that you have. In talking about that financial responsibility, how does a student know whether a school is a good financial fit for them? What factors should they consider? The factor they should consider is be truthful to yourself. Meaning, if you have a certain major. What is the best school for you and the best route? A lot of times, many times that parents may not have saved up the money for you to go to college. Or may, they may not know. And so as a student, it's your responsibility to at least try to maintain a good GPA so you can go to the college that you're looking to go to. Like I've had students that would come to my office and be like, hey, I want to go to this university. Do you have this money? All of a sudden, it goes crickets. So the best option I tell students all the time is maybe look into a community college first. Get your core class because most community colleges are lesser class, less money, and at least give you time to work up your GPA and potentially look for more scholarships to help you to determine what's the best school you want to go to to further your education. And one of the things I give example is that as far as knowing your major and understanding that college is a business is this. But let's say you want to be a teacher. And so you go to a university, you know, let's say a private university. And after four years or five years, you come up with a debt of $100,000. $100, but the average salary of a teacher is $30,000. And see, right there, you're already in the hole already before you even start your first day on the job. And it's not like when I was in school, 
and I'm, I'm about to date myself now, Jetty, so don't don't laugh too hard. I remember the card catalog. Yes, that you had to go to the library and actually had to pull out like a dress, like a dresser drawer, to look up the information. It's it's not like today you got Google and all these other technology services. So you have the access to know what is the average salary of the major that you what you want to do. So once you know your average salary, that's when you need to kind of decide. Okay, which school is is best for me financially, and that is specific to me for what major I want to go for. I find a lot of the first gen students I work with, they get a little overwhelmed by the sheer number of resources that are on a college campus. So why would a student come visit you in the financial aid office? They'll come to visit me because I'm like the heartbeat. Once the heart stops, you can't do nothing. And so again, college is a business. So you can't go far if, if the school ain't getting paid. So you want to at least make sure that you know how much financial aid that you receive. Well, most importantly, you need to find out if you have financial aid. Because many times students will come in and they're like, well, I turned in my FAFSA, but you did either the wrong year, you forgot to renew it, or you just ain't did it at all. And you want to do your FAFSA the day of school, hoping that we can process it on the first day of school, which normally takes a couple of business days that we actually received your information for us to process. So it's highly important that the key factors when you start school is really three things. One, talk to the admissions, make sure everything is taken care of as far as your business in the college, making sure that you're an in-state student if you are in-state or out-of-state student, it's a big difference when it comes to financial. Again, college is a business. Number two, you need to check on your financial aid. And it's, and it's so important that students need to understand their business. You hear me first, gen students? You need to know and understand your business. Your mom and dad shouldn't have to know everything. You should at least know something was going on in regards to how much financial aid you have? Do you have loans? And yes, there have been times students would accept the loan, complete master promissory note, do an interest counseling, but still don't realize that they did <laughs> sign off to have a loan. Know the difference between a sub and up sub loan. And just know how much money that you have. You know, if you are going to get a dorm, how much that costs? You know, so just understand your business. And then number three, we're here to see you be successful. There's not too many people in higher ed that I know personally that don't want to see students be successful. You need to go and take advantage of the opportunity that you have in colleges. There are different type of programs like TRIO that work with first-gen students to help you out, to help guide you. Many of us didn't have that because my parents didn't go to college, but they they taught me to read research don't be scared to ask for help you might you might hear me say a closed mouth don't get fed which is true because if you don't speak and you're in trouble how can someone help you so so much advantages take take the opportunities that we're here to help you out this time of year students are making their final decisions on where they're going to go to school as we come up on college decision day 
So I wanted to ask you some technical questions about financial aid that I know a lot of the students I work with have, which means a lot of other students have. So what are some reasons why a student could actually lose their financial aid? Oh, man. It's called SAP, S-A-P, Satisfactory Academic Progress. Students can lose that if they're not focused on their grades. Though I know you want to come to college and party and network and relationships, it's, it's a measure of your criteria that you have to make sure that you either your GPA is doing well, your pace ratio. Your pace ratio is important because it's the average of all the classes that you're taking. For example, many people, many students will withdraw from classes to protect their GPA, which is understandable. But they're not really telling you that that W kind of equates to like a zero when you average out your percentage. Because colleges, most colleges that you have to have a 66.66% of average of overall, overall classes that you're taking. So you can have a student who has straight A's but have a couple of uh, withdrawals that can kind of lower their average. So those are some of the main, at least two of the main focuses that can affect you while you're in college. Many students don't really pay too much attention to, but you got to as far as your GPA, your average of your classes, and attend classes. Don't be just coming to class and just withdrawing or quitting school because, again, college is a business and depends on how long you sit in the class. You may actually owe money if you don't, you know, sit in a class and handle your responsibility. Everybody should have October 1st marked, highlighted, circled, flashing lights on their calendar because yeah, that the is... the signal. Yes. <laughs> that is the day that FAFSA opens every year. So is it beneficial for me as a student to fill out FAFSA on October 1st or does it matter if I wait? It's benefit to you and it benefit to me. It benefit for you because as a student, it's good to at least know what's going on with your account. Let's say I process you you did your fast for October first. You know, you don't start school back till August. If there's an issue or any problems, there's we got several months to fix the issue. Which is easy for us to process your file and put it out there. So by the time school starts, at least by May, you know you got financial aid ready for you. It's beneficial for me because the sooner you take care of your your aid, the sooner I can process your file. Unfortunately, some people don't believe in that. Some people believe in the last minute or the, the, the first week of school, which is, makes it hard because trying to take care of, of different financial aids, FAFSAs, processing and then on, on top of that you bringing in more stuff that you had at least several months to close to a year to handle which could be difficult but then also to another advantage for you is the sooner you take care of your um your FAFSA you may be eligible for some different um awards like a SLG grant the supplemental education opportunity grant so the sooner you do that the more money you could at least have some additional money that the school can offer. And we all love free money. We do. We do yes. all love free money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love to have some free money right now. Just make it rain. So you write in your book that students should not lie 
on their FAFSA. Yes. So what happens if I either purposefully or accidentally misrepresent some information when filling out FAFSA? Sure. You you remember when I said college is a business? So if we found out that you lied or something was not properly um, truthful and we find out, we're going to go back into your file. We're going to review it. And it's something that can affect your Pell Grant. Let's say that you say that you don't have a bachelor's degree, but you really do. Even though it might not be from the United States, it might be a bachelor's degree from another country. Once we find that out, we can pull back your Pell Grant and then you have to owe, owe, owe some money. And plus, too, this is a government document. So you don't want to lie on a government document because it can't affect you. But financially, it can hurt you. Just imagine you lied. Then all of a sudden, I'm pulling back $3,000, $4,000 from you. And you have to owe that money. And if you don't pay, you can't graduate. You can't receive your grades for the semester. Your your Everything is on hold until you go ahead and pay that amount of money. So what happens if my financial aid gets rejected? Well, your financial aid get rejected... The first thing I want I, I would I would say is speak to a financial aid a, um, counselor or advisor to see what could be the issue, could be the problem. It could be a simple mistake that you did something wrong on your FAFSA or maybe the wrong year. So we definitely advise you to talk to talk with us because again we want to see students be successful. And so talk with us. We'll try to work with you just to make sure everything is together. Or sometimes, unfortunately, that. Something's not right, and it's not right because either you not eligible for financial aid because you lost it, or there's some discrepancies on your information that doesn't match up, which we had to kind of research, or you provide us some new information. I've seen a lot in the past year or two, at least with my students, when they file for FAFSA, you provide taxes that aren't necessarily current but prior year and families financial situations during COVID have changed drastically. Mm -hmm. So what are the options students have when they're in that situation? Okay. A couple of things. Like I said, it started a couple of years ago, prior, prior year. And so if a student, student is going through some things or their parents go through things in 2020, what can happen is this is, that they can request a professional judgment or a change of circumstance. What I mean is this is that for 2020, we all know that was the COVID year. So if something happened to you financially or if somebody died that could that affect your household far financially, like your like a parent, then you can request professional judgment. For example, let's say that your parents were making 80000 a year. Everything was going good. And then all of a sudden they lose their jobs. Somebody's not working. Or someone is making, let's say, 30000 And so when we do the FAFSA, everything can be based off the 2020. So we look at the higher numbers that was on your taxes. But in reality, in reality, that you kind of lost your job, you're not working, things happen. So if you request a professional judgment, the school can ask for some forms, and we'll ask for some type of supporting documents to review 
And once we review it, then we can do a change on your financial aid. And instead of may not being eligible for any Pell Grant, you might be eligible for some Pell Grant money just because of your situation. So can you explain to our listeners what the EFC is? Estimated Family Contribution. That's pretty much is that when you fill out the FAFSA, they do a calculation as far as your eligibility, what you may be awarded for. The EOC really is kind of works with your Pell Grant because just make it simple. It, it has a, a scale from zero to nine, 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 nine to affinity. And so the lower the number, which the lowest number is zero, that is be your full Pell eligibility. But the higher the number, the less Pell eligibility that you receive. And in many cases, the less loan, the less of a loan you can receive because there are two main loans, a sub loan and, and an unsub loan. Sub loan is the loan that the government will take care of the interest while you're in school. Unsub will be the loan that you'll be responsible for the interest. So the higher the EOC, then you might not be eligible for any type of sub loan. you just be only eligible for the unsubsidized loan. So you write in your book about what you call financial aid season. Tell me about that season. Oh, man. The seasons that we'll see every year, we'll see see students trying to get their fast in right now, trying to get stuff together and hoping the best. And then throughout that season, it's going to be the the refund season. This is the season that the students are going to be coming up like every – hour, two hours, because they need that refund check. They need that money. A bill needs to be paid. They need to get a new car. They got a new date they want to take out in the press. And, you know, they, they can't just be slipping, so they want to make sure they look good. So once they get their refund, they're happy. Then we get the withdrawal season. They don't want to lose their, their financial aid or their GPA. So they go ahead and withdraw from classes. And so... They do that, and then of course, throughout the season, they be uh, it's a it's a new season. It's kind of like I said, spring, fall, winter, all of that. That students kind of switch it up. Same same thing each and every year. <laughs> I want you to reiterate again because I don't think students fully understand how withdrawing from classes can affect their financial aid. Okay. It can affect your financial aid like this, and this is very serious. If you do, if a student do decide to withdraw, ask your teacher first to see if they can help you. A lot of times, students will withdraw without actually consulting the teacher or going to a learning tutoring center or getting the proper help. So that's number one. Because again, a lot of teachers are willing to work with you if you're willing to talk with them. Like I said earlier, a closed mouth don't get fed. And then if you do feel that withdrawing is the best thing you need to do, talk with an academic advisor and then talk to, most importantly, your financial aid. It can It's important to talk with us because of satisfactory academic progress. If Let's say when you're in college and you didn't do well in one semester, it's going to be, you're going to be put in a warning status because if you're not being sapped, Following semester, they're going to put you in warning status. So you still be eligible for, for financial aid, but 
you have to do well in that semester. And so if you withdraw and if you're not doing well, that can affect you because at the end of the semester, as I stated, it may not hurt you with your GPA, but it can affect you your pace ratio. And let's say your pace ratio is at 68%, and now you got a W, that can affect your average, your percentage, which at the end of the semester, when grades are posted and SAP and RAN, and if you're under the 66.66%, you can lose your financial aid and will have to do a SAP appeal. I was going to say, so withdrawing from that class can have some really serious financial implications for students. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then another reason don't withdraw because depending on if you have like certain scholarships, you can't withdraw. Or most colleges, if you go to like a junior college, I think it's like three withdrawals you can only do while you're there. And then for four-year university, normally it's six withdrawals. So if you withdraw, you need to make sure that you really want to withdraw because it is quite a a limit for you to withdraw from your classes. And it's highly important that you limit your withdrawal because it's like anything, you do it once and you make it into a habit. And so you don't want to make it into a habit to withdraw from your classes. That's why it's so important to know when you talk to your academic advisors, know what class you need, talk with your professors, go to learning tutoring centers, go to different programs like TRIO and others on campus that are there to help you out. You got support. Probably the hardest question for you to answer. If you could give one piece of advice to a first-gen student, what would you tell them? I would tell them to be willing to learn, research, and be willing to have a supporting cast to help you out. Because this is, this is the time right now that you are learning for yourself, especially if you're 18, 19 years old and you got to go, take advantage of your opportunity while you're in college. Get the help that you need. Enjoy school. College is a business. And just like the college has their business practices, you need to take advantage of it so you can develop your business practices to graduate, to move forward, and hopefully get that nice high-paying job. Well, Trey, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about financial aid and financial decisions. I know it's an area that we can always learn more about. So I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise and for writing your book that you have. I read through it. I have a lot of pages tabbed so I can share with my students. So that's another great resource. But I think what you said is true. Students need to keep learning about the process and keep learning about their situation so that they can be successful. A special thanks to Trey for joining me today and opening up about the financial aid process. How to pay for college is an important aspect of the college decision-making process. Trey reminds us about many important aspects of financial aid and how to get the most bang for our buck. Remember his three takeaways. College is a business. Do you really want to go to college? And finally, how can you maintain your financial aid? If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to shoot me a note on our social media at How to College First Gen. I look forward to our next chat.